Alright everybody, now it is time, it's the weekend, and it's time to get crazy, okay? Yeah. There's so much happening in the industry news this week. I mean, of course, of course, there's so much battling happening at the box <laughs> office. I mean, what, you got Top Gun Maverick, you have Lightyear, you have Elvis, you have Jurassic World Dominion, you have everything Black basically, phone. Like, Black uh, Phone, yeah. like everything underneath the sun, battling it out at the movie theaters and man oh man do they need it oh yeah but this is good news for the box office guys and good news for theater owners we've got it coming for you you're not going to want to miss it super excited about that that is later on the show now let's get a little crazy What's up, guys? Episode 199 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm, and you know your host with the most, myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Boy, oh boy, I'm so excited for this industry news segment. It's going to be so freaking fun. And you guys know we're talking all about the streaming wars, oh, the yeah. biggies with the studios, and everything in between. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we have basically anything and everything underneath the sun we're looking into selling water guys be water be water yes that's right who doesn't want crazy and bottled water exactly. i mean come on it's so exciting the possibilities are endless yes but of course our film deadlines is also on our website so be sure to check that out you can rent it and or buy it on vimeo for a very low price yes and and it's been selling like crazy thank you so much guys it's been doing it like almost every Every day somebody's renting and or buying that thing and we greatly appreciate it yes it's a beautiful thing man it really is but i mean let's start off with the box office everybody's talking about it it's a big weekend this weekend um but with a great start to the industry news and for theater owners, this weekend marked the first non-holiday weekend in five years. Facts. Four of uh, the top five movies earned $20 million or more. And for the first time that it happened in four years, any weekend, overall revenue was down only 10% from the pre-COVID year of 2019. Now, no doubt this weekend's box office success is heated up by the Baby Boomer versus Gen X battle between Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. So, who's going to take the top spot this weekend and win the box office battle? Well, get this. The two films... Currently tied for the weekend crown right now mm. with $30.5 million each. We won't actually know the true winner, the king or maverick, until the actual final grosses are tallied Monday morning. So you know what that means. You've got time. You've got some time. If you're pulling for one or the other, get your ass off the couch, get out there, get to a theater, and buy a ticket for the one you want to win because you got some time. Exactly. What, a, what a battle, though. It's so awesome. Exactly. Who's the pilot and who's the wingman? We want to know, <laughs> man. We want to know. But, of course, we got to start with Disney when yes. getting into the studios. Former HBO chief marketing officer Pamela Levine has been tapped as the new head of marketing for Disney-branded television mm. and now. At Geo Content. Now, Levine, who is replacing the recently exited uh, Javanta Jenkins, will lead an uh, integrated 
internal agency across brand and creative marketing strategy and publicly uh, media planning, digital social events, uh, talent relations, awards, supporting content created for Disney Plus, as well as the Disney and Nat Geo branded linear networks per Disney General Entertainment. She will begin on June 27th, and man, oh man, her plate is going to be full. Yeah, man, that's tomorrow. I hope she's ready. <laughs> Uh, this I think we're going to see a lot more of this, though. Warner Brothers people, now that Discovery is kind of clean in-house, jumping ship to other places, and so we'll see. She's not the only one, though. Tamina Jaffer, most recently president of business affairs and operations at Anonymous Content, has also joined Disney-branded television as an executive vice president of business affairs. Now, Jaffer succeeds Anina Savin, who has exited after leading the business affairs division for nearly 23 years, y'all. The move comes as A.O. Davis, president, Disney branded entertainment continues to solidify her senior executive team now in her new role jaffer will lead all aspects of business affairs negotiations and contract administration for disney television animation and disney television branded mm. uh live action content created for disney plus disney channel disney xd disney jr of course Based in Burbank, California, she will be reporting directly to Davis. Mm, so. so much exciting stuff happening. Yeah, and some more good news for Disney's broadcast network. ABC is seeing uh, stratospheric leaps over NBC's yes. coverage uh, for the first time of the Stanley Cup finals last year. Uh, only the second... Uh, the second game three of a Stanley Cup to be shown on a broadcast network in over a decade and a half. Yeah. The final number for game three of the 2022 NHL showdown uh, was a whopping 65% in total audience and an amazing 83% in the ratings. So, yeah. I mean, they're absolutely killing it with that. Game six tonight, y'all. Go Avs. Come <laughs> on. They're up 3-2. We got to close this shit out. All right. Now, here's the news all of us MCU fans have been waiting for according to marvel studios president kevin feige clarity about the mcu's direction and next big saga event will start coming in this in the few months ahead mm. the mcu boss said this week quote as we're nearing the end of phase four i think people will start to see where this next saga is going i think there have been many clues already but uh that are at least apparent to me of where this whole saga is going, but we'll be a little bit more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan so audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, 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 tiny bit more of the roadmap. Now, those clues for Sharp Comic Geeks are the creation of the multiverse, incursions, the introduction of Marvel's Illuminati, and of course, Kang. Those clues no doubt have fans centered around a massive 12-issue event in the comics known as... Secret Wars. The storyline, of course, involves the X-Men, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, Deadpool, and the Avengers. So it definitely appears as though the Russo brothers, who have been talking about this for years, might actually get the chance to direct the Secret Wars films finally. Yeah! That's so exciting. I mean, they've kind of been hinting at that for so long. For sure. I mean, Avengers Endgame, some snapshots, and all these different things. But, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how Phase 4 has been going so far, and with all 
introducing all of these new characters. I'm super pumped to see where we go moving forward. A lot of good stuff is still to come, guys. Uh, but now, try, uh, trying to keep up with what's left for Phase 4, here's the rundown of upcoming films and shows. Uh, the movies include Thor Love and Thunder, Black mm -hmm. Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and The Marvels. Yes. Now, for those, are there's also Fantastic Four reboot that's in development. John Krasinski, of course, debuted in MCU <laughs> as uh, Fantastic Four's leader. Reed Richards and Doctor Strange in the Multiple versus madness sorry for spoiling that if you haven't watched it yet um but i mean come on now Who it's, it's out there come like on. Uh, although marvel has not yet confirmed that if he will be continuing to play this role we feel like he's going to yes. uh, on the television side the mcu is currently airing miss marvel and has she hulk attorney at law and secret invasions on the way yes. so there's so much exciting things happening and i am loving miss marvel honestly oh, and i'm gonna sure. go out there and say it i it's honestly one of my favorites so far that they've put out. I mean, it's just so different than what they have done before. And getting that new kid perspective of gaining these powers, I think, is very special. It's just good to see brown people on TV being exactly. represented in the proper way. I love that. And hey, did you see uh, Sam Raimi came out today with a statement about Krasinski and he mm -hmm. said, I had nothing to do with it. Oh, that shit. Kevin Feige cast him as Reed Richards because the fans demanded it and Kevin Feige gave them what they wanted. Raimi said, I didn't. Don't thank me. I had nothing nothing to do with it that's so funny now mcu observers and comic geeks have no doubt also noticed several youthful superheroes or characters who have become superheroes in the marvel comics have also been introduced over the last year and a half in phase four including america chavez in multiverse of madness kate bishop in hawkeye kid loki in loki Eli Bradley, a.k.a. Patriot, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Billy Maximoff and Tommy Maximoff in WandaVision, and next year, Cassie Lang, a.k.a. Stinger, is going to show up in Quantumania for Ant-Man. Together, if you guys know, if you're geeks, you know, these characters make up... The Young Avengers. So it seems like we will definitely be seeing this group on the big screen sometime in the future, which only makes sense. Will they play a part in... Oh, Secret Wars. Exactly, My man. guess would be yes. It's so freaking <laughs> exciting. And the real question is, should Kevin Feige want to pull back the curtain more on his plans for MCU's future? Uh, it will most likely be happening during the San Diego Comic-Con in July or the D23 Expo in September. And yeah. it's very exciting because um, really... None of the studios have been to Comic-Con in the past, like, three years, yeah, no. basically, because of COVID. So they all have been putting out their own stuff. But, I mean, with everybody heading back, I think we will possibly see a resurgence in Comic-Con. So that's exciting. Hall H is booked, from exactly. what I hear. Hall H, Hall H is back! <laughs> Uh, let's see, 20th Century Studios announced that its animated comedy, The Bob's Burgers Movie, will debut on Hulu and HBO Max in the U.S. on July 12th. The film, which was released in the U.S. theaters this past May, is of course based on the Emmy-winning series, Bob's Burgers, which will return for its 13th season in the fall. It I, did. I didn't know it was on for 13 years Yeah, already. it's been around for a while. It did fairly well. I mean, it had some big competitors going against it. Of course, Top Gun and now all these other ones coming out. But I mean, it did fairly 
fairly well at the box office, so kudos to them. And it's kind of interesting, HBO Max and Hulu. So, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, those deals are very lucrative. They man. are. They really are. Well, a new documentary from Hulu seeks to capture the legacy of the Los Angeles Lakers. The streamer dropped its first teaser trailer for Legacy, a true story of the L.A. Lakers. <laughs> that keyword. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from the director and executive producer, Antoine Fuqua, and uh, now a 10-part documentary series is executive produced by Lakers CEO and controlling owner Janie Buss and was in development well before March's premiere of HBO Max's Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. The teaser offers insight from Shaquille O'Neal, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Rob Lowe, and others about the rise of the Los Angeles Lakers. No premiere date has been set yet, but I'm sure everybody is excited about it because learning all of these different aspects of the history of the Los Angeles Lakers and how they basically were about to get sold off to somebody fucking random yeah. and then Dr. Bus just came in and completely changed up basically the NBA. <laughs> so I'm excited to see more of it. Oh, me too. And if you were one of those people out there hating on the HBO series, you know, it's, oh, they didn't talk to anybody. They didn't. Nah, nah. Well, this one did talk to people. Exactly. They did t- so watch this one if you, you know, I think they're both brilliant and I think it's, I, I'm, I'm going to be pumped to watch that one as well. Hey, the Percy Jackson in the Olympian series at Disney Plus has made three new additions to its cast. Dior Gajan, Olivia Morton, and Charlie Bushnell have joined the series as Clarice LaRue, Nancy Bobof, and Luke Sestelin, respectively. Now, Gajan and Bushnell will appear in recurring guest roles, uh, while Morton will be a guest star. Production on the show, get this, guys, is already underway in Vancouver, so it's, oh, it's wow. uh, like moving full speed. Yeah, for real, man, for real. Well, Jacob Vargas from Mr. Iglesias is set for a heavily recurring role oh. in the Disney Plus upcoming National. National Treasure series. We've been talking about this one the past couple months. Yeah. The project, executive produced by the film's producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, is an expansion from the National Treasure movie franchise told from the point of view of a younger uh, heroine, Jess, uh, a dreamer in the search of answers about her family who embarks on the adventure of a lifetime to uncover the truth about the past and save the lost Pan American treasure. Mm. Vargas will play Raphael, a rugged treasure obsessed adventurous soul with a good <laughs> sense of humor. We they have that. to have a good sense of humor. For right? sure. I mean, come, come on, on now. <laughs> All right, jumping to the bunny. We're, of course, the top story at the bunny right now is what we were talking about at the top of the show, Elvis. Get this, guys. Warner Brothers' Elvis is is performing well above box office predictions. Heading into the weekend, it was tracking uh, only about $25 million for its opening. Considering the fact that adult dramas are challenged genre in the pandemic as of late, uh, but as we mentioned also in the top, it's coming in well above that. Older moviegoers could be to thank for the film doing better than expected. 56% apparently of the audience so far is over the age of 35, Mm. including a whopping 29% over the age of 55. Now, Lerman's frantic Elvis Presley biopic skewed heavily female, 57%. All of these numbers should not shock you, by the way, and is not surprisingly, it played best in the South. But I've got to tell you something, guys. 
I, I don't discount any of those numbers, but in my theater, it was a much larger, diverse age group gap than that. I did have that audience in there, but I also had Gen Xers, I had Millennials, and I had Gen Zers in there, guys. It was a nice mix, and all were in there locked to that screen and coming out of there in awe of what they saw. So I, I, I agree with those numbers, but I think it's a lot more than just those numbers that are making it big also. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. It's a very interesting thing, too, because <laughs> these are all the people who we assumed, basically, who weren't going to the movies because they were scared about the pandemic. Right. They just needed a little Elvis yeah. to get out of the house and fucking <laughs> go to the movies They again. needed Elvis to come back in the building. We hear often that Elvis has left the building, but no, bring him back! <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Warner Brothers, some exciting stuff, has won a bidding war over yes. the heist project uh, the Sundance the Sundance Kid might have some regrets with Zoe Kravitz attached yes. to produce and star in the upcoming film is based on Lena Crow's short story of the same name and centers on a pair of twin bank robbers while one twin Maggie uh, boosts supernatural powers including uh, telekinesis and super strength her sibling heads up the operation and serves as the narrator of the tale mm. that's very freaking exciting oh, yeah. and uh, Maggie Maggie begins to second guess the life uh, she and her sister lead when their uh, their latest heist goes the wrong way, basically. A writer and director for the film have not been yet attached, uh, though the search is well underway. We know Warner Brothers we'll is trying it. to change everything. Yeah, they're trying <laughs> to figure everything out, so we'll see what they can come up with. Just call us, bro. We'll exactly. do it. Zoe Kravitz, I'm all in. By the way, twins... I'm hoping she's playing both parts because it'll be epic. She's so fucking good. Leia Sado has joined Dune Part 2 in the critical role of Lady Margot, a vital ally to Paul Atreides, of course, Timothy Chalamet, in his war with the House of Harkonnen. As a member of the Bene Gazette, Lady Margot does have a major part to play in the second half of the story involving Fayed Ruutha and her husband, Count Ferning, a role that has yet to be cast. Again, available. Director Dennis Vilo is set to start filming the Dune sequel later this year with Shalomet Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Javier Barden, Stellan Skarsgård, and Dave Bautista all set to reprise their roles. They'll be joined, of course, by new actors, Elvis himself, Austin Butler, uh, who will be playing Fayad Rautha Harkin, heir to the house, uh, Christopher Walken, <laughs> more cowbell baby, and Florence Pugh, of course. So, I mean, that's a massive fucking cast. Yeah, it really is. I, uh, I saw a really interesting video today that said that basically Austin Butler got the role of El Elvis because of Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington and Austin Butler were worked together on a play and they basically tried to outwork each other who would show up to set first who would try to you know be on time who would try to put in the most effort and then Denzel Washington called up Baz Luhrmann and got the audition for Austin Butler that, and it's so funny because Denzel didn't even know Baz see that and, and that's amazing but guys like the, the, he's following the Zendaya route literally right? Austin Butler Wizards of Waverly Place he made numerous appearances on a bunch of Disney Channel shows yeah. and now this guy's probably gonna win the Oscar for best for best actor I mean I'm just saying that's the way I know true. right that's an awesome so Denzel helping everybody exactly <laughs> like, he's a really good dude I it mean, seems like yeah for real, for real. Speaking you know of other yeah. dudes, <laughs> Kevin Costner announced his overall plan for his long-awaited Western. Costner said that Horizon, his fourth directorial effort, is being 
plan for four different movies oh. and will be released in about every three months. Shit, dog. Um, he added that <laughs> they are all different films that all connect. So you're watching a saga of these storylines that are happening. The project, which is housed with Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema, goes into production at the end of August and is currently casting and still trying to fill up to, get this, 170 speaking roles damn so i mean you better be like fucking submitting like crazy but that's awesome he's basically creating his own franchise hell yeah and hmm, i wonder what happens at the end of august oh yeah could it be that the current season of yellowstone stops filming right <laughs> they're filming right now because of course we know it's coming so that really makes sense exactly oh I mean, uh, let's see discovery plus has revealed that it is the streaming service that has secured the rights to unprecedented now this is the three-part documentary series from filmmaker Alex Holder that will feature video of Donald Trump, his family, and staffers during the final weeks of the 2020 election, including his actions, presumably as he attempted to subvert democracy and engineer a coup to maintain his grip on power. Now, according to Holder, the series includes unparalleled access and exclusive interviews with Trump, including Trump's children, Ivanka, Eric, and Don Jr., as well as Jared Kushner and Vice President Mike Pence. Footage was apparently shot in the White House, Mar-a-Lago, and on the campaign trail before and after the events of January 6th. Discovery Plus purchased the rights to the documentary last year, and it's expected to run this summer on the streamer. And I saw Congress, you know, the, the January 6th committee, they already subpoenaed the, the oh footage. And and uh, he's agreed. He's turned it over. He's going to let them see it because, I mean, exactly. if he's got new footage of him mm. kind of orchestrating it, like, mm. ah, so <laughs> fucking shady. But you guys know Father's Day weekend appears to have been a perfect time to launch Warner Brothers, Andy Garcia, Gloria, Estefan, romantic comedy, Father of the Bride. Now get this, the film remake uh, uh, wound up being the biggest HBO Max movie premiere that uh, ever hit in its four days, specifically for a title that was exclusively made for the streaming service. Now, Father of the Bride was number one title across HBO Max around the world in its four days since it launched on Thursday, June 16th. The film also ranked amongst the top 10 most watched title launches on HBO Max to date in Mexico based on its first four days. I've seen a lot of people say good things about it, but I don't think I'm ever going to watch it. No, I'm not in. I'm sorry. It's just I, I, Kimberly Williams and Steve Martin was my father of the bride, and I'm sticking with it. Sorry. I'm glad people are enjoying it, though. Yeah, no, good for HBO. They need some good stuff. They really do. <laughs> All right. Speaking of good stuff for HBO, Robin Thede has signed a three-year overall deal with HBO. Under the deal, Thede will develop content exclusively for HBO, HBO Max, and Warner Brothers Television. Now, the deal actually expands upon Thede's previous overall deal with Warner Brothers Television alone, which was due to expire at the end of August. Theed, of course, is best known for creating the critically acclaimed HBO comedy series A Black Lady Sketch Show. Theed also serves as showrunner, executive producer on the series in addition to starring in it. So way to wrap her up. That was a smart move. Yeah, seriously. And HBO Max is giving us all the filmmaking content and we love to fucking see it. They do 
do great with that shit. And they will premiere its six-part original documentary from CNN Films, The Last Movie Stars. Now, on July 21st, that is when it's going to be coming to HBO Max, the documentary series centers on Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman and explores their uh, personas, talent, and love story. Four-time Oscar nominee Ethan Hawke directs this thing, and Academy Award-winning director, writer, producer Martin Scorsese uh, as executive producer on this project as well. The documentary series incorporates an abandoned project that Newman commissioned from friend and screenwriter Stuart Stern, who interviewed close friends, family, and artistic collaborators, including Eliza Arila Kazan, uh, Sidney Lumet, Carl Malden, Sidney Pollock, Gore Vidal, uh, and a whole bunch of other people for a planned memoir. Now, Newman was also interviewed by Stern and discussed his childhood, his first marriage with Wit, and his romance and life with Woodward and more. That's a whole bunch of stuff, man. I mean, they're diving deep into this dude's life. I I, I like this, though, because it was something that, that, you know, he commissioned and was going to put out there as a memoir. And so now they're just kind of collecting it all and putting it. I mean, their love story is, is truly iconic in Hollywood. They're one of the rare couples that actually both were in the industry and survived married up until their deaths i mean so i mean good i I, i'm i'm really looking forward to watching that one uh comedian ada rodriguez is stepping behind the camera apparently to direct two installments of the comedy special series entre nos for hbo max now rodriguez will direct a standalone special featuring comedian ian lara as well as uh, a special featuring both ralph barbosa and gwen laroca barbosa and laroca are the two winners of the hbo and nylff latino stand-up comedy competition the two specials will apparently be rodriguez's directing debut so congratulations that's cool yeah that is really cool and something else that we've told you about on a previous show is riverdale will be soon coming to an end on the CW, but that doesn't mean anything is going to happen to Archie Comic Projects. The network is in development on Jake Chang from writer Onali and writer-director Viet Nguyen, uh, who both worked on Archie Comics based on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Daniel Day Kim's 3AD, Archie Studios, and Warner Brothers Television, says Jake Kang is an Asian-American-led mystery following a 16-year-old private investigator as he uh, navigates a racially and uh, subsequent uh, diverse worlds, crazy worlds of the his ever uh, generationifying home of Chinatown and the elite private school from which he attends. Mm. So, I mean, that's really cool. I mean, they seem to do a lot of like teenage investigating type of stuff. So, they do. You know, I'm excited about it. They they seem to be. You know, they have a certain built-in audience that I think Riverdale built in. But I mean, the other shows that they have tried to spin off, like. Sabrina. I mean, I guess Sabrina did well on Netflix, but uh, what was the other one that they tried to spin off? The one with um, I forget. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah, 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 but yeah. They, it didn't work as well. So we'll, we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. All right, jumping over to Paramount. Now, we talked about Elvis and the success that it was having, so we have to talk about the other guy in the ring, right? Yes. Paramount's blockbuster Top Gun Maverick is still flying high at the box office, crossing the coveted $1 billion milestone over the weekend. It's now only the second film in COVID times, following, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home, to reach that benchmark. It's even more impressive, though, because Maverick has hit the $1 billion mark without playing in China or Russia, Mm. two major markets that normally rack up a lot of money. The film also became this year's highest grossing movie worldwide, surpassing Disney's Marvel adventure, of course, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Now, according to Paramount, why is it so successful? Well, repeat customers. They say that repeat customers have been fueling the momentum. In its fourth weekend in North American theaters, 16% of the audience, get this, has returned more than once, and 4% has returned three times or more to see this movie. Wow. That's how fucking good it is. Is, guys it's that good um so it makes sense exactly and with it battling for the top spot this week five weeks since it's been released okay yeah. that is absolutely insane so I, I love to see it though it's literally a perfect movie and a whole bunch of people that said they weren't going to go see it are seeing it because of that positive word of mouth that's so right it's great to see well henry kazerni is set to join the growing ensemble cast of the latest Scream installment Uh. at Paramount and Spyglass Media. As we reported on previous shows, Melissa Briera and Jasmine Soy-Brown, Mason Gooding, and Gina Ortega are reprising their roles after making their first appearances in the recent sequel. Hayden uh, Panetter is returning to reprise her role from the previous installment along with uh, Dermot Malorny, Jack Champion, Lena Libertario, Davine Nabika and Josh Segura. Um, now, Matt Balinti and <laughs> Oplin uh, and Tyler Gillett will direct this thing. Plot details are being kept under wraps of uh, outside of its following four survivors of the Ghostface killings as they leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh new chapter. The new outing is due to shoot this summer and will be released March 31st of 2023. I'm actually surprised that they're not trying to hold on to that thing until Halloween. But I'm sure that, you know, Michael Myers' Halloween will also be, like, making a debut for that one. So I'm sure that they don't want to compete. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a franchise that's clearly not dying with or without Nev Campbell. And so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, right. Paul Downs Coliseo is apparently in talks to direct and rewrite Paramount Pictures' Harbinger, stepping in for Wes Ball. Ball was forced to step down to focus on the next Planet of the Apes movie, in which he is deep in pre-production already. Now, based on the Valiant comic book series, the story follows a group of teens with superpowers who go up against the corporation that tried to exploit their talents. Sounds like a mix between the X-Men and the boys. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> very just, interesting. All right. Um, now, of course, the world of Sheridan... Uh, Uh, Paramount Plus has announced this week that Taylor Sheridan's new Yellowstone prequel, 1932, will now be known as 1923. (laughs) Let's take it back a couple years, okay? And it will take place in a new year as opposed to the former. 
per the new logline, 1923 focuses on the Dutton family's next two generations as they struggle to survive in the historic drought, uh, lawlessness, and prohibition, and the epidemic of cattle theft, all battled beneath the cloud of Montana's Great Depression, which is preceded by the nation's almost uh, almost a decade. The show will also touch on the end of World War One, which occurred in 1918. As previously announced, Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford are set to star in this thing. I'm now very super excited about it because the Prohibition era is like very interesting to me. So just to see how they're going through that and the lawlessness of basically the West is going to be very fun. Yeah, and the Great Depression. To, to yeah. deal with those two subjects alone is going to be freaking fantastic in that show. But that's not all. Yellowstone creator and showrunner Taylor Sheridan is also directing the pilot of 1883, the Bass Reeves story. Now, that six-part limited series starring David Oyelowo as the legendary Wild West lawman, Sheridan cleared the room in his busy schedule after the pilot script came in and he uh, sparked some conversations to get him behind the camera. Mm. The series charts the famed lawman's life from when he was born into enslavement, his escape from captivity after the Civil War, and his time living in the Indian territories where he learned the languages and tracking skills that he used when he tasked as a deputy marshal to police the territories. Now, I'm all in on this. I think it's going to be fantastic. And guess what, guys? I don't know if you guys knew, but I didn't know. I found this out. That guy is the actual inspiration for the Lone Ranger, but they cast him as a white guy. They whitewashed it because they didn't think it would work with the actual black guy playing the role. Fucking what? Hollywood. But now we're going to get it. So yeah. now we'll see him the way he was supposed to be seen. So. Exactly, man. I mean, kudos for diversity, but shit. We, it's taken too long to get there. Yeah. Uh, Donna Delaney has joined the new, or the cast of Tulsa King, yes. opposite of Sylvester Stallone. Uh, now they will, she will play Margaret, an affiliate and influential Esquitarian and owner of the sprawling horse farm and animal preserve. She is a formidable presence and trustee of the Annie Oakley Society. So we're getting more, a little bit more about what, who's around him while he's basically trying to build his own mob in fucking Tulsa. So he's going to build his family around horse breeders? That's what it seems <laughs> it's like. It's a man. horse breeding mob? What? All right. Okay. I trust Sheridan. Okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, Rafi Barsoomian from The Code is set as a new series regular on the upcoming sixth season of SEAL Team, of course, moving over to Paramount+. Plus. Barsoomian uh, will play Omar, a senior chief with 15 years of experience as a SEAL. The son of Syrian immigrants, Omar has a deep understanding of the Middle East and calls upon that knowledge to help navigate missions in the region. So, well, they needed to replace, you know, the, the, the lost cast members. So, all right. Yeah. Good. It makes sense, man. It makes sense. Well, Alyssa Drills, Toby Huss, Reno Wilson, Brian Goodman have all joined the cast of Fatal Attraction at Paramount+. Plus. Now, this one is going to be a reimagining of the classic 1980s uh, psychosexual thriller film. Uh, they all they will join the previously announced cast, Lizzie Kaplan, Joshua Jackson, and Amanda Peet. So, that, I mean, you know, that's exciting. Yeah. The question I have for that is will they 
boil the rabbit in the pot. It's a great. So question. I just want to know if that scene is going to stay because it was scary fucking yeah. and very, quite disturbing. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited about this one though. This song plays such a huge role in my life and my family and me and my little brother. It was just something, and now that had passed on and become a thing with me and my daughter. And so I'm super pumped about this. Paramount Plus announced that its documentary, The Day the Music Died, the story of Don McLean's American Pie, will premiere exclusively on the streamer on July 19th, both in the U.S. and internationally where it's available. The film will also get an Academy qualifying run in Los Angeles and New York City starting on July 8th, screening in showcase cinemas and associated theaters globally on July 14th and 17th. The documentary watches as McLean for the first time reveals the secrets behind the iconic song. It will also highlight cultural moments in America's history that are as relevant now as they were when the song was released in 1971. Mm. Uh, I fucking love this song. Yeah. I can sing every single lyric to it the whole eight and a half minutes um <laughs> i just i love it and i can't wait for this documentary yeah for sure it's gonna be really fun well halo has done its job domestically for the streamer it ranks number two to yellowstone's prequel 1983 as the streamer's most watched original series on paramount plus and it is fueled up to sign up activity for weeks around its march 24th uh, debut so it makes that the streamer has been uh it makes sense that the streamer obviously renewed it for a second season. Halo is a huge fucking gaming oh, yeah. franchise uh, behind, uh, obviously, Call of Duty. So it just makes sense that this thing would be, you know, remade. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a Call of Duty fucking TV show or movie yet. So. Oh, I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, uh, they're, they're pro- it's probably a bidding war right now that we'll be talking about on the show in a few weeks. Exactly. <laughs> Paramount Plus has apparently also found its wolf pack. Uh, Armani Jackson, Bella Shepard, Chloe Rose Robertson and Tyler Lawrence Gray have signed on to play the leads of the streamer's upcoming supernatural teen drama series. The story focuses on two teenagers who are caught in a wildfire and are wounded by a supernatural creature. And in the aftermath, they discover they're werewolves and (laughs) develop an intense bond together. The two team up and encounter two other teenagers, the adoptive children of a park ranger who went through a similar strange wildfire 16 years previous. Although Wolfpack revolves around werewolves and is developed for television by Jeff Davis, the series is unconnected to his former hit MTV series, Teen Wolf, or the upcoming Paramount Plus film sequel to Teen Wolf. Production on the new one that's not associated with it, Wolfpack, is set to begin uh, next week in Atlanta, Georgia. So this one's moving along, too. The series is expected to premiere later this year. Very exciting. Man. A lot of werewolves going exactly. on. Exactly. Like, People <laughs> love werewolves, so it's fine. It's fine. Not so much vampires. Are no, we done with vampires? Apparently. Keep the wolves, fuck the vamps. That's exactly. Like that's well, global superstar <laughs> Melanie Brown, also known as Mel B, or Scary Spice, yeah. will also join the judges panel for season two of Paramount Plus's Global Drag Queen Singing Competition, oh. Queen of the Universe. All right. Joining her on the panel will be three judges from season one, RuPaul Drag's Race Judge uh, Michelle Visage, Grammy nominee uh, Vanessa Williams, yeah. and Drag Race All-Stars winner Trixie Maddle. Uh, Graham Norton returns as the host, while singer Leona Lewis will not return to the judges panel, so they need to fill that spot. So that's interesting. I wonder why. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, are you guys a fan of Mandy Patinkin and his wife on, on social media? They have the, like, the best TikTok videos and the best Instagram videos. And apparently a, a lot of people were fans, including Showtime, because Showtime has given a green light to 
Seasoned, a half-hour comedy pilot starring the real-life husband and wife team of Mandy and Catherine. Uh, Seasoned is a scripted comedy inspired by the couple's real life and relationship. Now, per the logline, it follows the delightfully tumultuous relationship and life of a successful, gregarious, deeply committed, slightly insane married couple played by Patinkin and Grody. Roles they've been rehearsing for the last 43 years as an actual couple like that. The source of the unending magic is the same as their unending woe that they've stayed together all this time. (laughs) So it's both delightful and miserable. <laughs> exactly. So interesting. It's going to be good. I love Mandy Patinkin. I yeah, mean, come on. For sure. Well, heading over to NBC Universal, NBA, or Universal Pictures announced that Steven Spielberg's latest film, The Fablemans, mm. will open exclusively in LA and New York on Friday, November 11th, and then roll out for a wide release on November 23rd. The film's competition on the 11th uh, will include Disney and Marvel's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. <laughs> uh, the titles are currently set to play against the 23rd are Disney's animated pick Strange World with Jake Gyllenhaal and Luca Griaginjo's um, Bones and All. So, I mean, that's just, that's not a smart release date calendar. I get it. I get it. See, because I've been harping on Warner Brothers should have released Elvis around that time. Yeah. They clearly think this is an Oscar contender. Yeah. Okay, so but, do, but you don't open it against a fucking Marvel movie. Really Nobody's going to fucking see it. You better hope the Academy voters see it because the audience ain't seeing it. Exactly. I'm just do you want to make any money at all? Come on now. <laughs> and then the worldwide release isn't much better when no. it goes against another Disney film. I don't know. That's bad move right there. Yeah, exactly. Lee Wanal is in negotiations apparently to direct The Green Hornet and Cato for Universal. Executives have been meeting with the directors over the past few weeks, but when Wannell became the top choice after he became available and the studio wanted to get him back in business with him because he delivered such success on Invisible Man, of course, which on critics and the box office love that. Uh, Once a deal closes, the film is expected to be fast-tracked to pre-production stages. Now, Universal options the rights to the Green Hornet from Amasia in the spring of 2020 after co-founders Michael Heliphant, who, by the way, is a former president of Marvel Studios, and former It Calf podcast guest and producer Bradley Gallo acquired control of the motion picture franchise. They actually talk about that in our interview. You mm-hmm. might want to go back and listen to that. He talks in depth about how he got this from them. Um, from the family of the original creator, George W. Trendle, in a competitive bidding war. So if you want to know how that competitive bidding war ended and how they got it, go listen to our interview. <laughs> yeah, it was really a lot of fun to talk to him. I mean, he's so inspiring, and I mean, he passed along so many pieces of knowledge. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. This guy is literally at one of the biggest studios so it's really cool oh yeah um david e kelly's upcoming peacock crime drama the missing has added five new recurring guest stars uh candace zimmer uh chris sullivan ben schenken and rafael corbin and daniel davenport now, they all will appear in this series. They joined previously announced series lead Jeff Wilbosch and cast members Jelana Canfield, Karen Robinson, and Michael Mosley. So a lot of good things happen. Our boy one. Toby. We now know what he's doing after this is Exactly. <laughs> and Constance Zimmer. We know what she's doing. So, like, I, I love both of them. That's going to be awesome. Natasha Leone and Ryan Johnson's Peacock series Poker Face has also added five new cast members. Tim Meadows, Jamila Jamil, uh, Nicholas Cruz, 
Creo, Audra Corsa, uh, and, uh, oh, oh, and Neal Cunningham. Okay, that's a lot of really good people. Have all been cast in the series. The five new cast members joined previously announced series lead, Leon, of course, in the series, along with other cast members that include Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Benjamin Bratt, Stephanie Sue, and uh, David Castagna. Plot and character details for the series are being kept largely under wraps, though sources say the show will follow a procedural format and see Leon's character working to solve different murders in each episode. So is this like a younger version of Murder, She Wrote? That's kind of what it sounds That's like, kinda, right? <laughs> to me, I It's mean. very interesting. Well, heading over to Sony, Bridget Munoz Libiewicz, executive producer, showrunner of Greta Chronicles, is extending her overall deal with Sony. Sony Pictures Television. Under the new multi-year deal, uh, she will continue to develop scripted comedy series across cable and streaming services, as well as run uh, Gordita Chronicles if the series, which is drawing solid early reviews, is renewed for a second season. Now, she is ar- already has the number of projects in the works, including Birthright, which she is co-writing with Lindsay Golder. So that's a lot of exciting stuff. That is. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see these studios wrapping up their talent. Mm-hmm. Like, you recognize they're doing some good stuff for you. Get them locked in because, as we know, everybody's jumping ship all yeah, the time. Exactly. So. I don't know. Uh, let's go over to Lionsgate. The ensemble cast of Lionsgate's prequel, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Keeps on growing. Euphoria star, I'm excited about this one. Euphoria star Hunter Schaffer, Nick Benson, Laurel Marsden, Lily Cooper, uh, Luna Steeples, and Hiroki Barrett-Cloth are set to join the Francis Lawrence-directed title opposite Tom Blythe, Rachel Ziegler, and Josh Andreas Rivera. Now the next installment in the Hunger Games $3 billion grossing franchise hits theaters on November 17th of next year. I'm pumped for this. I am too, man. It's a really exciting cast, so I think it's going to do really well me too uh following a competitive auction lionsgate has optioned emma shrub's new york times best-selling novel this time tomorrow with jason moore to direct and produce the project shrub will adapt her novel for the screen the story centers on alice who is about to turn 40 and caring for her ailing father uh, when she wakes up in 1996, reliving her 16th birthday. It isn't her uh, adolescent body that shocks her or seeing her high school crush. It's her dad. The vital, charming, um, 40-something version of her father with whom she is reunited with. Now armed with a new perspective on her own life and his past events take on a new meaning. Is there anything she could do to change it? If she could. That sounds really exciting. No, that does. And because I was about to knock it at first, I was like, oh, this sounds like another 13 going on 30 yeah. or something like that. But I love this idea that he's somehow not able to communicate with her. Or he's a bad yeah. state health, you know, health wise. And she's able to go back and see a young, vibrant and get a whole new appreciation yeah. for him. That's a, that's a new twist to that type story. And I think that's great. Uh, Lionsgate has also acquired Breeders, an upcoming horror project that has Olivia Cook. Love Olivia Cook. Uh, she's attached to Star. The studio is keeping the film's logline under 
under wraps. But veteran horror helmer Kelsey Bollig will direct in her feature debut with Adam McKay and Todd Shuleman producing for Hyperbo Pro, uh, Project uh, Industries. Now, Brian Steele wrote the script, which is based on his and McKay's original idea. Mm, this is going to be interesting. Adam McKay is out there. so He really is, man. <laughs> um, the, the studio is not yet finished with its accomplishment acquisitions, though. Alliancegate has picked a motion picture adaptations right to Thieves Gambit, an upcoming young adult thriller novel um, by Calvin Lewis uh, that has been generating deals and buzzing ahead of its planned fall 2023 release date. Um, Stephen Capel Jr., whose directing credits include Creed 2 and the upcoming Transformers Rise of the Beast, is attached to this one to helm the project. The book's pilot, or the plot, uh, centers on a young woman raised by her parents and expert thief um to be an expert thief uh who must enter a dangerous cutthroat competition that pits her against other young talented thieves where the winner takes all so that that's that sounds interesting but it does. i mean it's obviously gaining a lot of traction if this book hasn't even been released yet yeah that's the way to do it right i mean we just saw in the offer like what paramount used to do in the 70s right jump on and buy the books before and, and you know before they're even finished and make movies it, it makes sense uh okay jumping over to netflix guys as you guys know i mean this has been no secret it hasn't been a great week for netflix the company initiated its latest round of layoffs as the streaming giant looked to cut costs in the wake of its stock troubles. On Thursday, 300 staffers were let go across multiple business functions in the company, uh, with the bulk of the jobs lost right here in the U.S. That's double the round of reductions undertaken back in May when they laid off 150 employees and dozens of contractors and part-time workers. Now, Netflix's stock has been on a downward slide, and the company's lost nearly 70% of its value since revealing this spring that it had shed nearly 200,000 subscribers. That of course, spooked Wall Street and triggered the sell-off. Now, shares of Netflix were trading at north of $600 in January. Today, the last time I checked, they're hovering at roughly 180 That is a massive drop. It really is, man. It's crazy to think about because we knew this was going to happen. We called it on the show when everybody started getting their own streamers. Like They just weren't putting out or developing or creating the right type of content. Yep. They were doing like this stuff that was lollipop shit they needed to be doing hardcore deep interesting stuff like stranger things so i just feel like you know they're just digging themselves a hole but i mean in wake of this massive stock slide triggered by a subscriber dip during the first quarter netflix co-ceo ted sarandos head of global film scott stuber and head of global television bella bargira have launched a charm offense stressing to the top creators and agents that they will continue to spread aggressively to make and market movies and tv shows in calls and in-person meetings sources say they have positioned in the april stock drop as a setback but reassuring filmmakers and showrunners that they will remain well capitalized and informed that they don't believe that the answer is currently a predicament that should stop competing for buzzy content also mentioned that their content budgets are locked for 2022 and 2023 netflix spent about 17 billion dollars on content back in 2001 and expects to shell out the same amount this year so i just 
they're the bubble they're the ones that are fucking leading the bubble i I think they're gonna pop before everything else yeah your market cap value has decreased like crazy your shares are sliding and you're in massive debt and your answer is to tell creators that you're going to keep spending and when they say they're going to be easily recapitalized that's more debt he's saying they're going to acquire more debt to, uh, this is a disaster. Like, don't do it. Don't do, yeah. find other ways. I, it's, I just, it's really scary because, I mean, Netflix doesn't even have a lot of, you know, content that you feel like you can sit down and watch on a daily basis. I mean, sometimes you have those, you know, Diamond in the Rough shows or those Diamond in the Rough movies that you can go and watch, but there's nothing on there consistently that you will go on there every day. I mean, I probably go on Netflix maybe once a week now. Like, I'm not even crazy. sure I go on there that much anymore. And the problem is, is that every time they do get a solid original show, they fucking cancel it after two seasons. Yeah, they like, cancel it after two seasons or they take two more years to put that shit out yeah, there. Yeah, like, I just, I don't get it keep the shows people are watching and want to see that are consistently in your top 10 and focus on that man i just i don't know hey they also released an official statement following the tragic death of actors ramundo gorunudis cruz and juan francisco gonzalez uh aguilar uh who were working on the series the chosen one in mexico we talked about this last week on the show their unfortunate deaths um the pair were part of the cast and crew riding in a van in santa rosalia loreto on june 16th en route to a local airport when it crashed and flipped leaving uh, the two dead and four injured an investigation uh, into the accident is ongoing uh, the statement read uh, from Netflix it read quote we are deeply saddened by the tragic accident that took the lives of uh, Ray Garduno and Juan Francisco Gonzalez our thoughts are with their loved ones and with those injured during the unfortunate accident friends of Garduno and Gonzalez have spoken out asking for a thorough investigation alleging there were logistical and transportation issues with the production among other accusations um, I think that's going to be shot down, though. A couple of people that were also in the van of the four injured have come out and said that's absolutely not the case, and they don't hold any blame uh, for the accident on Netflix or the production company. So it's hard to argue with people that were in the van. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, so that's going to be very interesting. That's an ongoing story that we will follow. Rising Egyptian star Amir El Mezri from Limbo has been cast in as the young Egyptian billionaire Mohammed Al Fade, oh. uh, the former Herod's owner and father of Princess Diana's lover Dottie. Now, in the upcoming fifth season of Netflix's The Crown, as previously reported, Salim Daw also uh, has been cast as an older incarnation of Mohammed Al Fade. Now, the Crown producers aren't giving away any storylines, but with the casting of El Miseré uh, as a young Muhammad, uh, it would be certain to, it would be certainly seem as though we will be getting a small glimpse of the backstory of the Egyptian businessman. Now 93, who in 2008 famously accused Queen Elizabeth's husband, Prince Philip, of ordering British Secretary Services to kill Princess Diana to stop her from marrying a Muslim man and having his baby. Of course, Alfade's son, Dottie, was romantically linked to Diana, Princess of Wales, when they both died in the car crash in Paris, France, on August 31st of 1997. He will be played by the kit runner star uh, Khalid Abdullah in the series. 
Now, who will star opposite of Elizabeth uh, DeBecky, who's from Tenet, as Diana in the highly anticipated fifth season of the show, which will drop on Netflix in November of 2022. Finally. Yeah. Finally. This is going to be, I like the idea that they're doing a backstory on Dodia uh, Fayed's dad, because there was a huge contention between him and the Queen and Philip and and. I mean, as we all know, it's the paparazzi that were uh, like really to blame for the for the tragic accident that that killed them. But uh, I, I mean, there was rumors that 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 was the case by uh, Prince Philip. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, this next one, I don't know about you. I think I think we talked about this. I was worried about it. I'm like, do we need more spy kids? Do we really need to continue this? The spy kids are like grown ass adults now. Why are we coming back to this? But. I feel much better about it now. Robert Rodriguez has found his new spy family for his family adventure franchise, and guess who they are? Gina Rodriguez and Zachary Levi. Everly Carignia and newcomer Connor Esterson are set to star in the upcoming Spy Kids film from Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Rodriguez will write, direct, and produce the film, which will introduce the world to a new family of spies. Racer Max will co-write the pick. The film marks Rodriguez's second family film with Netflix following the huge success of the 2020 family action film we can be heroes zachary levi uh zachary levi and gina rodriguez that makes me feel a whole lot better right how can that be bad it can't be bad exactly (laughs) exactly well one of not netflix's top performing shows the outer banks has added andy mcqueen uh fiona palimo and lou faringo uh, to its season three cast previously announced recurring talent also includes austin north charles Eston, uh clarissa grant and they have also been up to series regulars for season three i'm surprised it even got a season three with netflix so kudos to them i'm just gonna be honest with you i don't know how lou ferrigno jr keeps getting gigs because i hear he's just not very nice mm, mm, I, I, that's so. that's that's what i hear i yeah. mean i don't know i mean dispute that if you will i'm just that's what i hear yeah i don't know See, i don't know the netflix man. is paying out shows are paying out shit for people who aren't even nice <laughs> This is why they have no money. <laughs> oh, let's see. <laughs> Please don't send the hate mail. Please don't send. It. I don't know the man. I, maybe he is a nice guy. I don't worry. Netflix. His dad is awesome. His dad's a fucking incredible Hulk, and he's massive. And I would never say a bad word about that man because he snap me like a twig. Netflix is developing a new limited series adaptation of John Steinbeck's East of Eden. I am super pumped about this. I was a huge fan of the movie East of Eden. The series, which is still in early development, will be written and executive produced by Zoe Kazan, whose grandfather Eli Kazan helmed the 1955 film adaptation of Steinbeck's novel. Now, this makes it even better. Florence Pugh, who is just now apparently in everything, everywhere, is attached to star in the series, though the character she will replay remains a mystery and unconfirmed. East of Eden is, of course, set in California's Salinas Valley over a period that stretches from the Civil War to the end of World War I. The epic novel tells the interconnected stories of the Hamilton family, an Irish immigrant family with ruined children, with nine children, and the Trask family led by the wealthy Adam Trask. The story eventually narrows its focus to center around the Trask family and the drama surrounding Adam and his wife Kathy and their sons Cal and Aaron. Mm. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a classic film that was like revered by critics and, and fans, and so I'm curious to see how they're going to do this one. Oh yeah, for sure, man. A lot of good stuff. 
stuff happening. Amazon has tabbed Jason Allen Carvey from NCIS New Orleans uh, to play a key role of the Malcolm X in the um, upcoming third season of Epic's drama series, The Godfather of Harlem. In a recasting, uh, Carvel takes takes over the role from Nigel Thatch, uh, who portrayed the character in the first two seasons, as well as in 2014's Oscar-nominated film, Selma. Now, in season three, Malcolm X, uh, the radically militant preacher who left the Nation of Islam and traveled the world to press for a black political advancement, finds himself in a crosshair of danger from former associates in addition to NYPD, FBI, CIA, and so many others. Production begins this <laughs> week in New York on the series starring um, Boris Whitaker. So that's very exciting. It is. And you know what? He's a great... He, he portrays Malcolm X really well, so I can see why they cast him to do it. Um, I got to tell you, though, uh, like I'm, I haven't seen that series, but I'm kind of pumped about it. Like, I really want to start watching that. I like Forrest Whitaker, and the the story sounds amazing. Yeah, for sure. Hey, 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 we're jumping to Apple. And to all you fake-ass Star Wars fans that directed all that hate and racism bullshit to Moses Ingram, fuck you. Moses Ingram has signed on to star opposite Natalie Portman, another Star Wars person, bitches, in the Apple limited series Lady in the Lake. Ingram takes over the role of Cleo Sherwood in the series from Lupita Nyong'o, whom Variety exclusively reported uh, had exited the show after production had already begun. Now, this is the latest high-profile TV role for Ingram, who is fresh off her starring turn, obviously, as I said, in Disney Plus's Star Wars series Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ingram is also known for her appearing in the Netflix show The Queen's Gambit, for which she received an Emmy nomination for Best Supporting Actress in a limited series. On the feature side, she's also had projects like The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is currently streaming on Apple, Ambulance, and The Same Storm. So this woman that y'all love to hate is kicking ass. Exactly. So, bitches. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem will lend their voices to Spellbound, an animated fantasy musical from Apple Original Films and Skydance Animation. The project reunites the pair, who just scored Oscar nominations for playing Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz in Aaron Sorkin's 2021 biographical drama Being the Ricardos. Um, John Lithgow, Nathan Lane, Jennifer Lewis, Andre D. Shields, Jordan Fisher have also joined the ensemble. As previously announced, West Side Story star Rachel Ziegler is leading the cast as uh, Princess Elaine, a young royal who embarks on a daring journey to save her family and kingdom now after a mysterious spell transforms them into monsters and threatens to cover limburas in darkness forever Mm. yeah that sounds sounds intense (laughs) (laughs) i am super excited about this one too i am a huge fan of this woman i have been a huge fan for many 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 years in fact way back when i was first getting started in the film stuff uh she was one of the people that i reached out to and was considering to direct a film that i was working on i'm of course talking about the morning show executive producer and director mimi leader who i was a fan of from party of five guys that's how far back not the new one the, the original one Uh, She's 
she's apparently sticking around Apple TV Plus. The Emmy-winning filmmaker, uh, who also did On the Basis of Sex and ER, has signed a multi-year overall deal with the streamer. Apple TV Plus will have a first-look exclusive on streaming features, as well as an exclusive deal for series developed by Leader. Um, Leader directed, of course, the pilot of The Morning Show. It earned her 10th Emmy nomination for her direction of the season one finale. The series was recently renewed, as you guys know, for a third season and is in currently pre-production mode. So I'm excited for that coming back. I'm excited for Mimi, who's kick-ass. I mean, she's amazing. And way to go, Apple. Right? Just absolutely killing it. I feel like they're definitely trying to put out the content to, you know, be contenders. Oh, so, for I sure. I mean, obviously with them just winning Best Picture, but I mean, they're they're killing it. And will they buy Netflix? Exactly. <laughs> that's the real question. Hey, that slide, they are in danger of a takeover. I'm just saying, like, and we all know is. Apple's got money. That's what it is. Um, well, <laughs> Apple TV Plus has made an eight-episode series order for Criminal Record, a new one-hour-long th- thriller starring Peter Capaldi, Capaldi and Kush Bung, or Jumbo, Jumbo yeah. as detectives in a tug-of-war over historic murder conviction. From BAFTA Award nominee Paul Rutman, uh, the series is currently in production in London. Described as a powerful character-driven thriller set in the heart of the contemporary London, the show sees an anonymous phone call draw two brilliant detectives into a confrontation over an old murder case. One young lady in the early stages of her career, the other, a well-connected man determined to protect his legacy. The series touches on issues of race, institutional failure, and the quest to find a common ground in a polarized Britain. Mm. So that's that's deep. Oh, yeah. And Kush Jumbo, fucking phenomenal actress. Huge, huge fan. Please come on the show, Kush. Please come Do on it. the show. I want to talk to you so bad. Apple TV Plus has given an eight-episode series order to a one-hour drama inspired by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Edith Wharton's unfinished final novel, The Buccaneers, mm. with Chris Christine Forsyth, Alicia Bow, uh, Josie Tota, Aubrey Ibrig, Imogene Waterhouse, and Mia Thrippleton cast as the Buccaneers themselves. Now, the official log line uh, is this. Girls with money, men with power, new money, old secrets. A group of fun-loving young American girls explode into the tightly corseted London season of the 1870s, kicking off an Anglo-American culture clash as the land of stiff upper lip is infiltrated by a refreshing disregard for centuries of tradition. Mm. Sent to secure husbands and titles, the Buccaneers, hearts are set on much more than that. And saying I do is just the beginning. Damn, that's a lot happening. That man. sounds intense. Exactly. <laughs> but all exciting stuff happening in the entertainment industry. Woo! That's what we are here for, man. Inside the Crazy Ant Farm breaks down the latest and greatest industry news so that you can be well informed. Yes. But man, oh man, now it is time for our top five segment, man. And this one is going to be super exciting. Going to be some throwbacks for you guys to go back and listen to. This week, it is top five favorite top five list of our previous shows it's a lot of good stuff man a lot of good stuff i mean we've we've delved deep into a lot of different topics of entertainment a lot of different topics of like nature filming locations like it's crazy i i I was going back and looking at them i was just like 
mind blown about what we've talked about yeah. on these top five lists. I mean, guys, we've done four full years and are in the middle of our fifth year. That's a lot of top five lists. Exactly. So, but here we go. These are some really good ones, though. They really are. So for number five for me, it is video games. Video games have always been a good pastime for me. It's always been really good for my mental health because it like takes me out of my body, basically, to where I can focus on other things and like kind of not focus so much on life and overthink things because, you know, the, we live in a society where you can just go down a deep rabbit hole and you cannot get out. So video games have always been a special way for me to, you know, just get away from this world a little bit. And we did that on episode 189. So if you want to listen to our top five video games, be sure to go back to that episode and listen to it. That was a favorite one for me because of the age gap. The, the, yeah. the, the video games on those lists were very, very different. I'm confused though. You mean, you know, playing video games doesn't inspire you or somehow make you mentally unstable to want to get a flamethrower? Yeah, and exactly. Kill people? Fuck people, man. No. Games don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> you know what else doesn't do it? My number five. Yes. This is where I park on the couch and, and unleave my stress and, and make my happies. I'm talking about favorite cartoons and i went all the way back to season one episode 36 you gotta dig deep to go find this one but this was really fun too because again you know we we, we have a, a bit of an age gap for all for you new listeners out there and so our list of cartoons was very different and yet the same we had a couple of sames on there too so it's always kind of cool to see the generation span and see what's there and what isn't that's held over. And yeah. so that, that was really fun. Favorite cartoons. I bet you guys can kind of figure out what my super friends and Smurfs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> well, number four for me goes to favorite temple franchises. Mm. These are literally the films that define box office releases. The summer is like a very special time to be a film lover, a movie lover, going to the theater with your family or by yourself. I'm a big fan of going to the theater Heck by myself, yeah. man. Uh, me like, too. I mean, you get to spend some alone time. And like It's kind of like video games where you get to like take a mental break away from everything else and you get to kind of just chill, relax, and think about all these different things. But Temple franchises are great especially right now with all the different pop culture stuff that we have out of course marvel star wars dc and all the different adaptations of the video games mm -hmm. um so yeah i feel like that that's a really good one and we had a lot of we had a lot of the same and a lot of different um I think you might have put Indiana Jones on there, though, which I fucking, I do not like Indiana Jones. So. Which is another top five that didn't make the list, but yeah. you should go listen to that one, yeah. too. Beloved films that we hated. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were both had one that we were like, what the fuck? Yeah. How do you... That's a good one, though. And I got, we split DC Marvel. Because yeah. if I remember correctly, it's the Dark Knight trilogy in the MCU franchise. And so we were like, God, that's how it's going. Uh, yeah. So my number four... Uh, is one that's on your list as well. And I had a lot of fun with this one because I'm a huge fan of this guy. I'm a huge, not so much as just an actor, but as a director. I think this is one of my people that I inspire to be like as a director. I'm talking, of course, about Clint Eastwood and trying to pick 
five Clint Eastwood films was extremely difficult. This man has had so many great films as an actor and director. It's like, you want five? Right. Uh, But yeah, that was so good. I mean, and to tell you how good this top five segment is, it's my number four and... It's my number three. (laughs) And I think I really enjoyed this one because I got to go back and watch a whole bunch of stuff that was before my time that I had never seen before. That's what happens when all of these classic movies come out before you're even born um but i i really enjoyed this one because it had me really sit down and like look at his process look at how great of an actor he was and how or is i should say and how great of a director he still is as well so it was really cool thing to see him go through everything and i watched a little behind the scenes documentary of him too and how he keeps the same people on every Mm -hmm. set um and he doesn't even yell action or cut they just he just kind of says are you ready she said yeah and they're like okay go ahead and like it's very laid back it's very like formulaic and their certain formula so i love to see it so yeah number three for me is clint eastwood films hell yeah and for all you up-and-comers out there that are aspiring directors do not do that yeah that's because he's kept that whole crew with him for literally decades and they know when he's ready exactly (laughs) don't yes that's episode uh 170 if you want to listen to that one. yeah such a good one all right my number three is uh episode 141 from our third season it's dream guests that we would love to have on the show Mm. and that list of 10 people sure we're shooting for the stars on that bad boy i mean we we have some people that are like massive in the world of pop culture and in the entertainment industry that we would love to have on this show and talk to and uh it's hard not to love that list yeah just to and again I hate Jason. Every time he makes us do trying to narrow this thing down to five people was like insane. Yeah. We could literally do our top 50 guests that we would love to have on the show. I mean, come on now. So good. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you got to listen to that one. Yeah. It was a lot of good stuff and a lot of good people who we like look at as like mentors or people who we aspire to be like and different things like that. And I like honorable mention uh, to the, um, the dinner guest one. Yes. Who would you want to eat dinner with or yeah. eat a meal with? That was really fun. Which is right around that same area. Yeah. So just if you listen to a little block of shows in that time, you'll you'll listen to that one too. Yeah, you'll find it. Uh, number two for me goes back to episode 126, and that is gangster films. Yeah. I mean, you guys know I love this type of content. I love people breaking the law in fictional land. <laughs> Let's not break the law in real life because fuck, man, this country is already crazy. But I I just, you know, especially content about, you know, fucking mobsters, that's that's my shit. I really want to go to the mob museum. When we stay in Vegas, I want to stay at the Flamingo. Like, everything about the mafia is so interesting to me. Organized crime is, like, one of the guilty pleasures in my life. And that is definitely on the bucket list of fucking, you know, making a film about. So that's really exciting. Are you made? Are you, are you, you I mean, you sound like you're made. I mean, you know, I'm just going to say, I I had a little mother Mary burning in my hand while saying a few (laughs) Hail Marys. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, definitively. I mean, the number one at the top of the list was clearly the Godfather. It's it's not only the best gangster film ever made. It's most likely the best film ever made. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, can we, Jason, Jason, can we do a, a top five shows about gangsters? Because the offer, (laughs) number one, that's the number one show. Oh my gosh. So All right. Good. But so, yeah, Gangster Films, that's episode 126. Yeah. So my number two uh, was like 
very recent. It, it's this season. It was just a couple of shows ago, actually. Uh, no, uh, episode one ninety six. Childhood idols. Um, it was a difficult one for me, but it was a great one for me because uh, it brought up reminiscing and thinking about my little brother, and uh, it literally brought me to tears. It was a very emotional moment in that top five list for me, um, which is why it's one of my favorites and so close to the top of the list. If you want to hear me babble like a baby and cry, like you know, just <laughs> go listen to that no one. one wants to but hear. it's a really good one. It's a good cry for a good reason, it and is. there's four other great idols on there and five fantastic idols that Logan lists. It's a really good list, and you definitely want to check that one out. Childhood Idols. Yes, that's a good one, man. It really is. Number one for me should be by no surprise, just like he is a huge comic book geek. I <laughs> love fucking Star Wars, like, to the death of me, man. Like, I was watching Star Wars when I was, like, teen teeny tiny and i've because they're space gangsters they literally are (laughs) man and like it's so political vader's a godfather let's just admit it yeah he really is and like star wars characters there's so many good ones and there's so many good ones that we're being introduced to now with the shows i mean young leia come on she's her own like fucking amazing princess i mean and din jaren from mandalorian like there's so many awesome characters that we are finally getting to see that is just not the Skywalker family, even though Anakin and Darth Vader are my number one pick. But still, I mean, I, I just everything about Star Wars. I love it. I love it. Go watch Obi-Wan, Disney Plus, season finale last week. So fucking good. Uh, that was uh, episode 112. So be sure to check that one yes. out. Yes. All right. So my number one, big in every way possible. Not only is it our big 100th episode, not only does it have the always amazing Autumn Reeser on it, it has, of course, our forever guests joining us uh, for this one. My number one all-time is Favorite Books, which is now affectionately called the ItCaf Book Club. It was myself, Logan, Autumn, and Rebecca listing off our five favorite books. And uh, we got such a great response from that show in that top five list. Everybody wants them back to do it again. And it was so good because we all learned books that we hadn't really heard of or kind of talked about before. And I'm not even going to lie. I have all of them now. I own all of the ones that people suggested. They're great fucking reads. How, what better to, I love reading. And so if you can educate yourself and, and also gain knowledge and, and, and outlook and perspective through books with all these amazing stories, how could it not be number one on that? It's an amazing episode. It's an amazing top five. You guys should totally check that one out. My number one favorite books. Love it, man. I freaking love it. Well, what was your favorite of our favorite top five segments. I mean, honestly, they're all great. There's nothing. There's none of them like ever miss a beat. So no. they're always very entertaining. We got to give credit to our podcast producer, Jason. He's just fucking making life difficult every single week. But we appreciate him because he's amazing. Uh, but yeah, be sure to comment below or, you know, give us that info on Twitter. We love it. We love it. Yes. Um, box office recap. No way Jurassic World Dominion is going to be number one this week. But it was last week. It brought in 58 point seven million number two was Lightyear with 51 million uh number three was top gun maverick with 41 million that's still insane for four weeks um number four was dr strange in the multiverse of madness and number five was bob's burgers which i'm still surprised that's in the top five list now this is really bad news if you're a pixar fan i just want to clarify this because remember how at the top of the show we said that four out of the five top five movies this week all made more than 20 million dollars Guess which one didn't? That one. <laughs> Lightyear. That went from 
51 million to 17 million. That is a massive drop. Yeah. And bad, bad news if you're a Pixar fan. Yeah. And I'm just saying. I feel like they're going to release that on Disney Plus ASAP. Oh, I mean, and maybe every Pixar film from now on. I hope not. I but... hope not either. But we'll see, man. We'll see. New movies coming out, like we've talked about. Elvis, be sure to go check that go one out. I'm going to go check it out tomorrow. He's already seen it. He said one of his favorite movies of all time now. Seriously. So, I Seriously. Mean, you, that's high praise. I mean, check out my review on TikTok. I, exactly. <laughs> With all the movies he's seen and all those years he's been around, <laughs> fucking Elvis, new movies. Movie, I was around when Elvis was still alive. I mean, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Number two, The Black Phone, which is looks like an amazing fucking horror movie. Ethan Hawke. Like, I'm glad he's seeing a nice little resurgence, man, because he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mar- Did you see Scott Derrickson said he cast him because of his voice? Really? He said the first time he heard Ethan Hawke's voice, he knew he'd be perfect for a crazy killer. I don't know killer. what that says. Like, like, I don't know either, but okay. That's so funny. A little other piece of knowledge for you guys out there that's unaware. The Black Phone is based on the novel written by Stephen King's son, mm. who is also a novel writer and apparently freaky. Also freaky. <laughs> I mean, My you know. goodness, these people, man. Um, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, uh, whatever the fuck that is, in select cinemas. Olga, whatever the fuck that is, in select cinemas. And next week, we got uh, Minions uh, Rise of Gru. So, I mean, I know a lot of kids like that one, yeah. so that'd be good. Uh, movies you can still go see right now. The Bad Guys, Everything Everywhere All at Once, hearing really good stuff about that one. Yeah, so. I really need to see that one. Yeah, I I love Watch Mojo. We love watching their top five list, their top tens, all that good stuff. Um, Watch Mojo put this at number one. Number one. So I'm very intrigued to see how that is. Um, and the number three are <laughs> Downtown Abbey. The new era is still out. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is also out. That one's on streaming. You don't have to do that. Uh, Brian and <laughs> Charles, or whatever the fuck that is, is also out. IMDb Pro is an amazing app and is an amazing platform for all the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. That's why you need it. Um, But the top trending movie this week is Top Gun Maverick. That word of mouth is crazy, man. Everybody is is on the same page with it's a perfect movie. So I love to see it. Top trending show is Stranger Things. That comes out on Friday. So that's so freaking exciting, man. I'm pumped. you got to catch up. i got to catch up. And the top trending star is Joseph Quinn. So, yeah. There you go. I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to say that the top trending uh, star next week is going to be Austin Butler and that the top trending film will be Elvis. I, I, it's why because love it or hate it it's very controversial right now there yeah. are people out there that are absolutely loving it there are people out there absolutely hating it but they're both seeing it so I think it's going to drive IMDB star meter for both of it oh for sure man for sure I'm excited to see it uh, well guys thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 199 next Ooh. week's the big 200 that's a huge milestone guys thank you so much for chugging along with us y'all are amazing yes uh, be sure to follow the company on social media at crazy ant media and the podcast on social media at it Cat podcast we're anywhere and everywhere man uh be sure to follow us both personally on social media myself at jlo fantastic and 
got crazy again 1970. <laughs> Not like we've been doing it for 200 episodes or anything. Um, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, Our Heart Radio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. A, be sure to watch this video on YouTube. And if you like the video, hit that like button, subscribe yeah. to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. And of course, you can visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com. We're going to start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear we got shirts we got hats we have basically anything and everything for you and we're looking at different things to bring you more shit yes that's what we want to do man we want to just give you all the shit that that's it no yeah, just yeah, take yeah, a for, nice for big real. dump on your chest <laughs> um but guys you can also check out our film on guess uh, who's not in charge of marketing (laughs) yeah Uh, you can also check out our film on our website deadlines you can rent or buy that bad boy on vimeo just a few days left to get it for 99 cents guys if you do the promo code um (laughs) pride pride uh wow woo! i need more coffee i think Uh, (laughs) um, but yeah only if it runs through the end of this month so use pride and get it for 99 cents guys i think somebody just needs to shit on your chest i don't know i'm not um, into that I'm not into the pee thing i'm not into the shit thing that's not my thing it's so weird it's like, like what I the mean, hell is like, I, don't I don't know, know. i don't know i don't know man <laughs> but anyway guys maybe trump will tell us in his expose from jail when he goes exactly that mm. jackass uh but man oh man it's been an amazing show There's a lot of good stuff to talk about uh, <laughs> we're crashed and burning at the end crash but and boy burning. it's been fun but but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff happening in Hollywood. A lot of things in reference to diversity and trying to put all that out there. Something I do want to make a comment to is kudos to all the studios. Basically, as soon as Roe v. Wade got overturned, yes. they all had a statement out saying they do not support it. Definitely a kudos to Bob Chappick. And this says a lot. He wasn't behind this was, time. Yeah, he, he wasn't, wasn't behind. Like- he said that in, to any and all of his employees who need that medical attention, he will send them to the certain states that will give them the assistance that they need. Yeah, all the majors and the the minis all released similar statements saying that they will pay for travel expenses to do it. Uh, Kudos to them. And this is what happens when you do the right thing. Stocks for the entertainment companies all shot up that day and outperformed the Dow when they came out immediately with the right Thing to do. I'm going to be talking about that, by the way, too. The need for companies to do the right thing over the bottom line. That's good. Look for that real soon on the website for my uh, message from the CEO. And I'm going to be using Warner Brothers in the Flash. That's a great one. Example. That's a great so, one to talk about. <laughs> look for that because I've got a lot to say about that one. <laughs> for sure, man. For sure. Well, of course, we got to honor the one, the only Oprah!